0: In today's show, we'll recap all of the news from Thursday, including a update, I guess, on Kawhi Leonard, recap the games, and just talk fantasy. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore redrock_beebl and on Instagram at lockedonfantasybasketball. This episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Check out pricepicks.com. And use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's talk about the action and we'll start with some news. Bunch of blokes heading into COVID protocols. Um, Those guys coming from the Utah Jazz, a lot of them. Well, actually one of them, Rudy Gobert, into the COVID protocols. Now, The Jazz, there's a bunch of stuff going on there. For the next game, Gobert, Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich are all out along with Joe Ingles. Now, there is some thought that because they're traveling to Toronto the way that the Warriors did, they don't want to have to deal with immigration and testing stringency about getting into and out of Canada that they just sat all their guys because they don't want them all to head into protocols. The Warriors did that too. I think there is some legitimacy to that. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens a little bit more with those other good teams moving forward. Just be aware of that. Now, with Gobert going out, yeah, you look at Mustad being Hassan Whiteside. But Whiteside's questionable as well. You look at Mitchell and Bogdanovich going down and Conley being out, and then you go, okay, well, that's fine, but Rudy Gay and Jordan Clarkson are both questionable. So we could get a situation where we're streaming Jared Butler and Trent Forrest and the triangle Eric Paschal and Yudoka BOK okay in that game against the Raptors. And I think there'll be so much uncertainty with that game that I don't even know that there'll be a stream uh, availability. Now, if Gobert, well, not Gobert, Gobert is out for COVID protocols. And if we do hear that Whiteside plays, he is the clear ad, right? Because that is a longer standing issue that might cost three, four, five games for Gobert. Whereas those other guys like Conley Mitchell, Bogdanovich, I'm going to guess they miss one game and that is it. And then they're back for the one after that. So you get some value maybe on that one game, but it'll be completely up-in-the-air type value. And then they'll be all back on Saturday, killing any buzz you might have from a back-to-back. But the white side one is the real intrigue. Um, Drew Holiday also entering COVID protocols, along with, of course, Grayson Allen, Pat Connors, and then Dante DiVincenzo's out, George Hill's out. I don't know who their point guard's going to be. No idea. Do they run Giannis at point? Do they run Chris Middleton at point? They don't have any other option. Wes Matthews and Jordan Nuora are going to have to see increased role. Maybe Javante Smart gets increased minutes. Um, Rodney Hood, yeah, Nuora is going to be a really interesting stream there. Giannis is likely returning, but yeah, Nuora is going to have that big boost. Middleton gets a boost in his value. Wesley Matthews for deeper formats. They just signed Langston Galloway, so maybe we get maybe we get some games from Langston Galloway, and he's actually in the rotation and can provide deep league value. Spencer Dinwiddie's returning for the bets Not the Nets. That's his old team. For the Wizards. Um, so how all that fits in with how Beal's been playing at point guard. Uh, the value increase we've seen with Kuzma. Yeah, how Dinwiddie... Because Dinwiddie was shit house. We know that. And then stepped it up with Beal out. Let's see if you can keep that going, but that's going to be a wrinkle on the Wizards rotation. Chetty Osman and Rajon Rondo are likely to return to Cleveland, so we'll get a better idea of how that rotation looks, the impact on Garland, the impact on Rondo, the impact on Kevin Love and Larry Markadon. We'll see how that works. And then, late in the day, we've got an update from Chris Haynes on TNT about Kawhi Leonard saying, um, let's find the exact uh, quote if I can. Anyway, I can't find it. Doesn't, oh, yes, here he um, they are saying that he is ahead of schedule in rehab from his torn ACL and a return to action this season is within reach. Now, that says things without actually saying anything. Kawhi is ahead of schedule. That's cool. What was his schedule? Nobody knows. i got no idea. Do you? Cause you no, you don't. Is it Jonathan Isaac, I'm going to take seven years off for a torn ACL? Is it Markel Fultz is 12 months off or more than 12 months off? Is it a standard 11-month absence? I don't know. It was a partial torn ACL, but does that mean he can come back in 10 months like Spencer Dinwiddie did? And he's ahead of that? is he nine months? Don't know. It says stuff and it says nothing, this update. A return this season is within reach. Okay, what does that mean? Back for the playoffs? He tore his ACL in June, Kawhi. 12 months would be June. And that's, you know, conference finals. A of schedule might put him back for round one of the playoffs. It might put him back for April for the last 10 days of the season. I don't know what any of this means. I know that it gets people fired up because people want Kawhi back. I want Kawhi back. Love Kawhi. He's awesome. It's better to have these players in the league. It's sick. But I don't know what any of this means. There's nothing concrete about it. All it's saying is that maybe he returns. The fact that this says... A return to action this season, like this season is within reach, gives me maybe a level of dread because I was always thinking he was returning at some point this season. Tell me now that there is maybe a chance he returns this season makes me go, okay, maybe he wasn't coming back this season. I thought that he'd be back in April, maybe at at the start of May for the playoffs. This is updating me to tell me the same thing that I thought already. Again, if we don't know the schedule, being ahead of schedule means nothing. It doesn't mean a single thing. And being ahead of schedule might be three months ahead of schedule. It might be three weeks ahead of schedule. And if the schedule is 12 months or 10 months or nine months, we don't know. All of this boils down to me saying, I would not add Kawhi Leonard. Unless you are the fantasy team that somehow has no injured players and multiple open IL slots and you're sitting 10 games clear at the top of your standings, maybe. But when he comes back, he's not coming back and playing 35 minutes. He's not coming back and playing every game. He'll sit back to backs. He'll play limited minutes. And when will those limited minutes be? Probably if he comes back actually early ahead of schedule, your best case is going to be... If he's somehow back eight months from an ACL at the All-Star break, I don't know. That is astonishing, right? I say best case is March. And then March is fantasy playoffs. And he's playing 26 minutes a night and sitting one in every three or four games. That doesn't sound like it's a great thing that I've got to then stash for two months and get zeros out of that position. In general, these guys coming back from significant injuries at some point in the season when a return date is nebulous, it's really hard to justify stashing those blokes two, three months out from what that date is, and we don't even know what that date is. This will not stop plenty of people adding Kawhi Leonard. I know that. I'm aware of that. I'm just telling you what I would do in this scenario. I wouldn't. I'm absolutely not rushing to grab him. It doesn't make me change anything about projections. We've had him projected to return on the 1st of April, just as a a date that we've pulled out of our asses because they haven't told us anything. But 1st of April is the date that we've had. 10-month return, basically, because it's the partial tear. Maybe it's earlier. I don't know. But I still don't think that he's going to be an excellent fantasy option at that point of the season. Again, hey, if you are here on YouTube... Debate it down in the comments. Tell me. What do you think? Are you adding Koi? Is he going to be a fantasy force? Let me know. Let's do a whatfo This one comes from Alex Hayes. Hazy, Thanks, mate. He says, what are the chances, what are the odds that Steph Curry finishes as a top two player this season? Steph Curry is the fifth ranked player this season so far. He now has to deal, maybe in his next game, with the return of Clay Thompson. I would suggest that it is a very, very low chance of Steph Curry returning uh top two value this season. I've got it at 12%. He was number one for a stretch this year, but he's not anymore. And I don't think he's getting back to that level with the addition of Clay Thompson let me know. Alex, thanks for the Watfo. Let me know. Drop it down below in the comments as well, your thoughts on Steph Curry. But if you also have thoughts on price picks, let me know about that in the comments. I've been telling you about price picks for a long time. And you guys need to try it. It is daily fantasy made easy. Player props, they're so easy to do. Points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. They throw a number out there. You go higher or lower, over or under, very easy to do. And it is just the most simple way to go out there and do it. And when you go to their to price picks and use our code NBA, you get a 100% match deposit up to a hundred bucks. That's just free money to start things off. It's not just basketball though, you can do multiple sports. You can throw a Steph Curry over under points prop in with a Patrick Mahomes passing yards uh, prop, Ch- chuck it in the same one. Two to five different props into an entry and you can win up to 10 times your entry fee withdrawals are safe and fast and entries are quick and easy to do. So go to pricepix.com today and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. If you're not playing PricePix, you honestly don't know what you're missing. Ah, the old sound of a sale on Shopify. It warms our hearts. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform that helps you start, run and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. So reach customers online and across social social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. Go to Shopify.com slash NBA that's all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to Shopify.com slash NBA right now. That's Shopify.com slash NBA. All right, let's look at the top added players in fantasy leagues over the last 24 hours. At number one is Bismack Biombo, up 24%. The Suns have, in fact, signed him to a rest-of-season deal to be their fourth string center, maybe fifth when Frank Kaminsky returns. I honestly do not think that there's going to be any impact in Biombo. Now, today, with no Ayton and no McGee, on a low-volume day, sure. Add him, see what happens, see what happens with him and Jalen Smith, no problem. Long-term, no. Um, Anthony Simons, yes, add him everywhere. There will be a dip. There is going to be a lull coming for Anthony Simons, I can assure you, but I am holding through the All-Star break. Uh, Gary Payton, the doctor, shit game from him today. Uh, didn't really make any sense and he is going to have some sort of squeeze on him when Clay returns on the weekend and probably doesn't maintain 12-team value. While well, the Winter Soldier Max Strews up 17%. And I say this a lot as well, but just look at the heat rotation, count out 240 minutes with a healthy squad and find out how Strews gets 30 of them. It's really tough to do. Hero, Lowry, Robinson, Butler, Tucker, Adebayo, Backup Center, Vincent, Martin, How's he getting 30 a night? It is or, this is not even including Oladipo when he eventually returns. It is very, very difficult. Now, until Jimmy Butler returns, sure, that's good. We can look at Struess, but it might be Martin next game. It might be Vincent returning. I still think Struess is a good short-term stream, but long-term, no. Um, Brandon Clark, yep, the, the schedule this week made sense to adding him. Um, Monty Morris, yeah, we add him. Uh, Nasir Little with Larry Nance out, we add him. Kevin Herder. Yeah, I'm a little bit interested to see what happens with Bogdan Bogdanovich maybe returning. Kobe White up 5%, solid to stream him tomorrow until Caruso returns at least and Alec Burks up 5% as well. Alec. Berg. Um yeah, look he was shocking today. We'll talk about that later. He is very much a stream sort of guy in terms of players to or players that have been dropped. We're looking at Malik Beasley down 26%. That's a clear Jack Armstrong there. Justin Holliday down 18 and Farku down 16. Yep, no problem. We're dropping those. 14% drop in Damian Jones' roster percentage. Holmes is out again tomorrow. I would have held on to Jones. Boucher down 11. Cousins down 10. Cody Martin down 8. Alexander Walker down 8. They're all clear drops. Obi Toppin down 8, a clear drop. And Aaron Wiggins is not a not a 12-team league player either. So he is a clear drop. Let's, let's talk games. Um, Boston taking on the New York Knicks. How the Celtics lost this one, I will never know. Actually, that's not true. I will know. I think Emilia Udoka is a bad coach, and I think that this team is poorly constructed. I think that the guys that they have um, in terms of their stars aren't necessarily the guys that you want to be in those roles. Emilia Doka consistently calls his team out In press conferences, like saying shit like, oh, there's a real lack of leadership on this team and who's there to settle them down? Like you, you, my guy, you're the coach, you're the leader. As well as calling out your players who are your stars and saying, hey, these blokes are shit outs. we need other players in instead of them who can lead. Like, it's just bad business. There's something completely... That was 20 points up, 25 points up on the Knicks here. And the Knicks, and they they choked it away. Good for my Yahoo best bets because I had the Knicks plus two and a half but bad for Boston. They continue to suck. Like they're just they're honestly just really poor. And I don't know what the I don't think there's a big groundbreaking trade coming. I don't think Jalen Brown's getting dealt. Maybe Marcus Smart does. You yeah, the, the the problem again with someone like you talk about and we talk about in the offseason a lot. Yeah, adding Dennis Schroeder. Oh my god, it's so cheap. It, it, it's a can't lose. Well, it's not a can't lose if you have Dennis Schroeder and you think because of his reputation and um, his supposed ability that you have to play in those big minutes. It actually hurts. i got him for cheap and we're going to have to play in these minutes. Like, it doesn't make sense to play him in so many of these situations that they do play him. Shout out contract year Dennis Schroeder. Again, sucking in a contract year. He's just not that good. And I know he had 20 points, so your box score people will go, that's sick. He shot 67%. That's awesome. But it's not about that. It's just about the way that it fits and then the common sense of having both him and Smart, two non-shooting point guards on the field, on the field, on the court, when Tatum is bringing the ball up and doing all the distributing stuff. Doesn't make any sense at all. It's bad coaching. It's bad roster construction. And I don't know. I don't know what changes. Anyway, Tatum, I thought, was really good. 36 points in 40 minutes, six triples, nine assists, two steals and a block. So much for COVID um, fatigue or anything. That's 40 minutes on the second game back on a back-to-back, while The Rock DJ... Robbie Williams. Got to play the sound because I need to take a breath. Rock, we were worried about his minutes. It never really made sense why he was playing like 23 minutes a night after playing 37 minutes a night. Just as it makes little sense now is why he's back to 34. 34 minutes, 6 and 9, 2 steals and 7 blocks. Must roster player. Schroeder did have the 20 and 5 in 27 minutes. But we'll see what happens when you know this team shakes things up again. If Pritchard returns or what they do... I think we hold him for now, Dennis. But he's not going to be, I don't believe, a must-roster guy rest of season. Jalen Brown, you're going the under on his assist props is always a good way to go. 16, 7, and 1 for Jalen. His numbers were great with Tatum out. It was an obvious sell high if it was possible at all. He's dropped way off. Well, Smart had 14, 2, and 5. And Al Horford, who when Al Horford was a top 20 player? Yeah, 7, 1, and 4. Sorry, 7, 4, and 1 with a steal. 38% shooting. He is now back to the 59th ranked player. And that's just going to keep tumbling and keep tumbling, I think, as we sort of settle into the real value of him. For the Knicks, Evan Fournier, what is going on? 42 minutes for the diseased scrotum, 41 points including 10 triples, 8 rebounds, 1 steal and a block. He has had three absolutely monster performances against the Celtics this season. Josh, there you go. There's your proof of a revenge game. Evan Fournier averages 10 points per game against the Orlando Magic this season. My whole point on revenge games is, as you're all well aware, if they've got this ability to play at least every game, it's actually a negative indictment on you that you choose to do it only out of spite against former teams. But you only choose to do it against former teams on certain days, and not against all former teams. Only the ones when you actually have a good game where you can point to that. There is no fantasy utility in talking about revenge games. It means nothing at all. It is absolutely zero factor. It has no factor at all. None. None. He played for Boston for two months and left as a free agent. And we're supposed to think he's got all this hate in his heart that he's out there playing like Michael Jordan and he can just flick his finger, click his finger whenever he wants and play like that. Garbage. Anyway, it was sick. It was a great game. Do I believe that Fournier is a must to player? No, but it was great. The Double Royal, Julius Randle. Piss-poor percentages again. 22 and eight and two steals and two threes looks good for counters. But 40% from the field and 67 from the line is bad. He is still outside the top 45 this season and outside the top 120 for the last two weeks. 41 fantasy points is good. But Alec Burks, holy shit, man. Three points on 10% shooting. Wasn't the worst shooting performance of the day. But um, at least he had nine rebounds and seven assists. I just don't know what to make of this bloke. He played 37 minutes here. Who knows what happens when Kemba Walker is back. Yeah, Burks is fine to have. And then we'll probably just drop him again. He's all over the shop. Mitch Robinson had seven and four with two steals. Like, that's totally fine, but not must roster, I don't think. And Rowan Barrett Jr., again, proving to me, and I said this on the live show today, that, like, he had a great game last time, but I I need to see two weeks of it, three weeks of it in a row before I say, all right, he's turned the corner, because this is what happens. 13-3-6 on 28% shooting, 27% shooting. Now, he did hit a remarkable game winner, a moving to his right, banked-in three-pointer which, of course, he pulled square out of his asshole, But he made the shot. Prior to that, he had 10 points on, like, 24% shooting. Just a dreadful game. He is not a 12-team league category player. Not remotely. Look, honestly, with how he's played this year, he's not even a 14-team league guy or not even a 16-team league guy. Obi Topham played under 10 minutes again, while quickly had 16 points in 25 minutes. Emmanuel quickly has some value, but... Thibodeau is always popping the handbrake on him and it is hard to have any level of trust for him outside of streaming. But if you want to have trust for something, trust in me because Built Bar, I'm telling you now, it is the best tasting protein bar ever. You are headed into the new year. We're all headed into the new year, but maybe you want to do something. New year's resolution. Obi's excited. He's hearing about Built Bar. Maybe you want to get out there and chuck out your sugary treats, your candy bars that are so high in fat and so high in sugar and so high in calories because Built Bar isn't. It's 130 calories a bar. 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, and you know what? They taste bloody great. Cookies and cream is the goat. Coconut's a good flavor. Raspberry's sick. Orange is fantastic. These things are going to get you absolutely jacked, but they're also going to taste great, and you're not going to be putting on extra pounds and extra calories. I know why I said pounds, because I don't measure anything in pounds, but that's where we are. So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's locked one and save 15% off. The best tasting protein bar ever. Built bar is built different. Second game of the day. As Obi stares directly into the camera like a real freak. Um, the Pistons got their asses kicked. Dwayne Casey loves coming out and saying, oh, we didn't have any energy from the start. Like my guy, you know who the bloke is who's supposed to get generate that energy for a team coming into a game? It's you. And the players have responsibility. But what else are you doing as a coach? You know, Are you out there teaching them how to shoot? Now, when you go for a rebound, put your hands above your head. That's not what you're doing at this level. It's your responsibility to get the players up for a game. They got smacked 118 to 88. Let's talk about the depressed penis Sadiq Bay. Three points on 11% shooting. Still wasn't the worst shooting performance of the day. He had two steals and th- uh, three rebounds. Now, he was on fire. And the last two games are back to horrendous Sadiq Bay from the first 20 games of the year. Which one is realistic? Probably neither of them. Um... Interestingly, this lack of production has tied in with the return of players from COVID protocols. His minutes are down. His shot attempts are down. The shots aren't going in. Is he a droppable player? Not yet. But it might not be far away. Big Elf Stewart returned. And so does the Elf Stewart sound drop. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of flaming glass! Only 20 minutes for Stewart, but 6-8 with two blocks. Not bad. I would add him in 12s and just see what happens. While well, Trey Lyles played 26 minutes, had 10 and 6, but you can drop him. Well, MC Hamadou Diallo, are we uh, convinced that it's over? Have time. Yeah, he should be. 12 and 6 in 25 minutes. Again, no surprise. Players come back, minutes go down, shots disappear, and then tie that in with the drop in efficiency. He's not worth it in 12-team leagues. He had a good run, you took advantage of it, and now you piss him off. Saban Lee, I thought was good, 16 minutes, 14-2-5 with two steals. But again, this is without Corey Joseph. So we know that Dwayne Casey is going to have to play Corey Joseph, and that's going to limit Lee. Lee just remains someone to watch. While Cunningham, the old sly hog himself. My name is Richie Cunningham. 12-5-6 and six on horrible shooting, 26%. But he's adding those other numbers, which helps. He is the 61st-ranked player this season, Cade. I think top 50 from here on out is possible. Um, Killian Hayes was bad. Josh Jackson was bad after two really strong games and uh, had eight points in 16 minutes, and he is just obviously a deeper league player. Well, for the Grizzlies, we did get back Dylan Brooks. We did get back D'Anthony Melton, but unfortunately, we didn't get Desmond Bain. So we still have not seen those guys really play together at all this year. Morant played only 25 minutes. 22 9 and 6 didn't hit a 3 but good numbers nonetheless while Dylan Brooks returned and took 17 shots because of course he did in under 25 minutes he actually played pretty well though to be fair 18 3 and 5 3 steals and two blocks and Melton only four points on 14% shooting not the worst shooting performance of the day eight rebounds six assists one steal and two blocks that's great but when this team is healthy, it's really hard to look at Melton as anything more than a back-end 12-team league guy and probably more of a rock-solid 14-team league player, unfortunately. They started Zaire Williams for his first start, and he went bananas. He had 11 points, I think, in the first quarter, missed, made his first three or four shots, and ended with 14 points, zero rebounds, and zero assists. That was great to see him start like that. And then the other team, just so they focused in on him and just didn't let him get those shots, and he just disappeared. And he's not going to have any swing near this sort of role. I think Jaron Jackson's a good buy low, 11 and 6. But in saying that, him with Ja Morant versus him without Ja Morant, two completely different things this season. And he's got to get used to playing with Ja because that's how the lineups are going to be. 11-6 with two blocks is not good enough, but there is some uh, by-low ability there. While Steve Adams had just the 14 boards, he did have four assists, but he only took two shots and missed them both. He is not a 12-team league player. Brandon Clark, eh, fine. 11-4 and four with a block. We hold him for the rest of the week. I don't think that he's going to remain a 12-team league player. There's two more games with the Grizzlies this week. While Tyus Jones had 14-4-4. Four four. He's pretty good. Aggressive offensively, with some, pretty decent, um, with some pretty decent numbers there. But again, this is just for this week that we're streaming him in. Let's go to the next game. The the shell of the Golden State Warriors took on the New Orleans Pelicans. What, uh, they lose at 101-96. There was no Steph. There was no Draymond. There was no, of course, Clay Thompson. And there was also no Juan Toscano Anderson. Wiggins was great. Again, the efficiency was down. He'd been shooting like 43% from three. He hit 17% in this game. 21-4-1 with two steals and a block is good. Well, Damian Lee played 30 minutes. I don't expect Damian Lee to play any minutes as we move forward. with four steals and a block. Somebody has to lose out when Clay returns. And that's probably him. I did not expect Gary Payton to play only 14 minutes in this game. He'd been playing like 30 minutes a night, and he had four points. It's very hard for me to see Gary Payton maintain high 20s in minutes and be a 12-team league player. So if you want to drop him, go ahead. Otto Porter had five in 24 minutes. But let's talk about um, Jordan Poole, who struggled a lot but ended up with 11 points. He had five assists and three steals. I think he had. Um, he was 0 of his first 10. Uh, ended with uh, some nice points towards the end to help that line look a little bit better. The three steals are nice. He played 33 as a starter. I don't think the pool is going to remain must roster. I am holding him, but I'm not giving him a huge leash once Clay returns. Looney had 6 and 9 in 20 minutes. And that's whatever. But this is hard to judge too much for this Warriors team because three legitimate all-star players, Clay, not an all-star player at this point, uh, have to return to the rotation in Steph, Draymond, and Clay. Good win for the Pelicans. And Brandon Ingram, who was a buy low, uh, that's over now. 32-11 and 6 on 60%. He's been wildly up and down with his shooting. He has these stretches of really good shooting and then stretches of poor shooting, and it makes him hard to sort of get consistency from but that's good numbers there, nonetheless, Nonetheless, Well, Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Vasu Inuansas. 8-10 with a steal and two blocks. And Herbalife Jones, huge minutes for Jonesy. 13-6 with five steals. The steals are great. The usage remains low. He is a 12-10 league guy for now. I don't think he's going to remain as a top 40 player like he is over the last two weeks. I think that is highly outrageous to expect that. But as a top 120 guy, that's a possibility. If Zion ever returns, which I'm losing complete faith in, Um, it will hurt him a lot. Josh the Hitman Hart had 14-6-2, not his best night, while Nikhil Alexander-Walker somehow gets worse. I don't know how it's possible. 7 points in 17 minutes, while Devontae Graham had 7 points on 21% shooting. He has this stretch of good games, and then he stinks it up like this again, really finding it hard for him to push into the mid-levels of 12-team leagues. He's just a consistent back-end guy who does deserve to be a 12-team league player, but just has this inconsistency. Well, again, make sure you're dropping Jackson Hayes. 5 points in 12 minutes with Valentunas back, there just is not enough room for him to succeed. All right, so on to the last game of the night. The LA Clippers, they get the win. Well, they don't, they get the loss over the Suns, 106 89. Let's rephrase that whole thing. The Suns beat the Clippers, 106 89. Marcus Morris, again, big minutes, big usage, 26-8 um, and eight in 36 minutes. As long as Paul George is out, he's going to take a lot of shots and be useful enough. While Reggie Jackson had 16-8, and eight. poor field goal percentage. That's part of the price of having Reggie Jackson. We also got big Eric Bledsoe minutes. He was pretty bad in them, 10-5-3 in and and 36 minutes. I think he's worth holding at least until Luke Kennard returns. Terence Mann did not much. He's a fringe 12-team league guy, I think. He's fine to have, but he's also not a must. Well, BJ Boston dropped in 10 points in 20 minutes with two steals, and Justice Winslow, I thought, played well at center. Two steals and two blocks. Serge Ibark is absolutely washed, and I don't think Serge is going to be a member of this rotation when players return. Winslow, I don't know where he fits in, but it's probably not going to be of any relevance for fantasy leagues. Chris Paul triple-doubled for the Suns. 14, 13, and 10 with two steals and a block. While it was a pretty rough night for Booker, 11 points on 22 shots. He didn't hit a three. Now, he has been playing well this season. This was a poor game. It was also a poor one from Bridges, who had eight points, but played 40 minutes. He also had a steal on some rough shooting. He still remains a buy low, but at some point, maybe this is just who he's going to be this year. With the center still out, it was Jalen Smith this time. 33 minutes, 19 and 14. But honestly, Aiton and McGee are probably back next game. And then uh, Smith is going to play maybe like 10 minutes as the backup four. Maybe some at five. You can drop him. And if you added Bismack Biombo, he had zero points in 13 minutes. He blocked three shots, but he's just not going to play. He's just not. He's like the fourth center. Maybe fifth when Frank Kaminsky returns. Um... Cameron Johnson was great 24 and 7 with four threes a steal and two blocks. Now there is a chance that he stays as the starter over Jay Crowder. I don't know whether they'll do it, but he's worth holding to find out, find, out, find out, but regardless, I'm not expecting 35 minutes from Cam Johnson when Crowder returns, and he probably will end up turning into a drop. What's that Justin Jackson? Remember that bloke, he played 6 minutes and had eight points and campaign had a nice 10 5 and 4, who's a nice deeper league player. Let's look at the top players now for fantasy leagues for today. The monstrous line of the night is Jason Tatum. Your waiver wire line of the night and your young gun of the night is Saban Lee. Good numbers. I just don't really trust it for 12 or 14s. And your dart of the night is his teammate, the depressed penis, Sadiq Bay. Top performers today. Number one was Jason Tatum. Two was Yvonne Fournier. Three, Brandon Ingram. Four, Chris Paul. Five, Cam Johnson. Then Marcus Morris, Robert Williams, Ja Morant, Dylan Brooks, and Saban Lee. Your top performers rostered in under 50% of leagues. Saban Lee, I just spoke about. Tyus Jones, eh, look, two more games this week. You can stream him in, but not high priority. Damian Lee, not interested. Emmanuel Quickly, a streamer, more of a 14-team league guy. Igadala, deeper leagues, campaign deeper leagues. Zio Williams, good numbers in a start, but he's not going to have any sort of role like that as we move forward. Kavon Looney, only deep leagues. Gary Clark, no thank you. Name the team that Gary Clark plays for if you can the Pelicans. He did have some nice blocks, but yeah, like he's not an interesting option for us in fantasy. And then Nemanja Bielica, again, not someone that's all that exciting. And then lastly, we go to points leagues. Tatum, Fournier, Paul, Ingram, Williams, Rob Williams, that is. Dylan Brooks, Cam Johnson, Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, and Ja Morant. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're on YouTube, thumb it up, leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.